Jesus is superior to the angels. We'll give you a couple of reasons next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You We're pleased to present Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We're in the early stages of a study in Hebrews, and today we again focus on Jesus, who is superior in every way to angels. Now, that may seem like a no-brainer to you, and perhaps you're even thinking, why should you have to even discuss that? Well, the truth of the matter is people today have a great fascination with angels and have even elevated them to positions they're not worthy to receive. And there's also great confusion over who Jesus is. By the end of our time together, I think you'll see why God included the superiority of Christ in His Word. The plan today is to take you through chapter 1 and verses 10 through 14. We're reminded in this first chapter that Paul, as he's writing, is telling these first century Jewish Christians that Jesus is greater than the angels. I mean, the, the whole theme of the book is the, how better Jesus is to anything and everyone. However, in this first chapter, the focus has been on angels. And what a fascinating topic, angels. How fascinating creatures angels are, let alone the study of them. And we spent some time looking at angels and then looking at these different reasons why Jesus is greater than the angels. If you're taking notes by way of review, we've already learned, number one, why is Jesus greater than angels? Well, number one, he is deity. Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus has a unique father-son relationship with God. He's got a unique one unlike any of us. Number three, we learn Jesus is worshiped by angels. He doesn't worship angels. Number four, we know that Jesus, we learn that Jesus is the maker of angels. Angels didn't make Jesus, but Jesus made them. Number five, we learn that Jesus is the sovereign master who sits on the throne. Number six, we learn that Jesus possesses, and I love this one, he possesses a spotless integrity. And then the seventh thing that we learn is that Jesus is uniquely anointed by God. That was in verse nine, notice. Hebrews one, verse nine. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Not the oil of sadness, but the oil of gladness more than all of your companions. Verse 10. And you, Lord, still speaking to the Son, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all grow old like a garment. Like a cloak, you'll fold them up and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not fail. Verse 13. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Which brings us to number eight. Why is Jesus greater than the angels? Number eight is in verse 10. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the creator. We learned last time that he made the angels, but now there's an emphasis being made. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the creator, not a creator. 
And this again is a quote from the Old Testament. It's a quote from Psalm 102. Because the Bible that they have in their hands is the very thing that teaches them that Jesus is greater. Through all the prophecies, all the predictions, everything getting ready for the culmination of the coming of Messiah, it's all in the Old Testament. All of this stuff is not being made up on the fly, but rather it is rooted in God's Word. Which, by the way, is very important for you and me. If you want to find truth in the situation, it's in the Word of God. Like, if you want to find out what the answer is to the situation in your life, it's in the Word of God. If you want to find hope, it's in God's Word. If you want to find truth, it's in God's Word. If you want to find joy and peace and direction, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And isn't that where we fail? Leaning on our own understanding. Even if we try to baptize it with the Scripture and try to put some spiritual language on it, it's still just leaning on your own understanding. The reality is, is that when we trust the Lord with all of our heart, leaning not on our own understanding, acknowledging Him in all our ways. How do we do that? Well, we acknowledge Him through prayer. We acknowledge Him in our mind. We invite Him into the situation. And we acknowledge Him by trusting what He said in His Word and obeying it. Jesus put it this way. He said it very simply. Two guys build a house, experience the same storms. One, his house was destroyed by the storms, and he found out that the foundation of his house, which is a picture of life, was on sand. And nobody in their right mind is going to build their dream house on sand. The house that made it through the storms, it was founded on the rock. I mean, if you go through these two houses, they would look the same. They would, they would appear the same. And then the same storm comes through and one completely falls. It was built on sand. One stays strong. It was built on the rock. And Jesus, he said this, you want a house that's built on a rock, this is what you do. It refers to those that hear God's word and do it. Hear God's word and do it. That's where truth is found. You see, Jesus is greater than the angels because he's the creator And do you know the root of every issue in your life? Do you know the root of this rebellious culture that we're in, this rebellion? Do you know all the sin that's in this room, all the mistakes that are being made, all the rebellion, all the resistance? You want to know where the root of it is? Let me tell you. It's a failure for you to acknowledge this simple truth. Because God, in his revelation of himself, remember, we can't know anything about God unless he chose to reveal himself to us. Like, he doesn't say, go figure it out, go up to the mountains, go to the beach, go to the lake, go to the reservoir, and just search for me your whole life, and maybe you'll find me. That's not what God says. God says, if you search with me, you'll be found. I'll be found by you, saith the Lord. The Bible says that. God says, if you search for me, you'll find me. You don't have to run around because he has revealed himself to us. He's revealed himself to us. Here's the summary of that revelation. If you had to summarize the Bible in one sentence— just, just the revelation of God in one sentence, it would be something like this. God says, and I quote, I am God and you are not, end quote. That's really the root of the matter. When you and I choose sin, we are simply saying, I don't believe that you're God. I believe that I'm a better God than you, little g, of course. I believe that my way is better than your way, God. I believe that my thoughts are better than yours. I believe I can handle this situation my way. I believe that I can solve the problems in my own mind and my own resources, and we fail to acknowledge that God is God, and you and I, we are not. We are not. Look at your neighbor and say, God is God and you are not. Go ahead, just tell them. They need to know. Say it out loud. All right, now turn the other way because you got to hear it too, so say it the other way. You're not God. 
Can I get an amen? You're not God. You're not God. And even if you were, you'd be a bad God. We wouldn't want to follow you. You'd be a false God, and we'd have to destroy you. <laughs> You're not God. And isn't that the root of every issue? We don't trust him. We don't listen to him. We don't follow him. We explain him away. We go our own way. We, like sheep, have gone astray, the Bible says. All to each his own way. Jesus is the creator. We're the creation. We owe him everything. He owes us nothing. He's greater than the angels in every way, but he's the creator. He's the beginning and the end, the author and the finisher. He's the sovereign ruler. What power Jesus possesses. He has the power to launch into space more worlds than man could even count. They're still trying to catch up with how many celestial bodies are up there in space. They don't have no idea. They always, oh, I found another one, I found another one. I know, you can search for a billion, million years and you're still gonna keep finding God's creation. He's that vast. In John chapter one, verse three, it says, all things were made through him, Jesus. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't understand it. The light that shined in the darkness was this light. I am God, and you are not, Jesus would say to us today. Number nine, why is Jesus greater than the angels? Well, notice in verse 11, it says, of the foundation of the earth, the heavens, and the work of his hands, verse 11, they will perish, but you remain they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You'll fold them up and they'll be changed. But you are the same. Your years will not fail. Number nine, Jesus is eternal. Creation is temporary. Jesus is eternal. The scientists call this, as things are winding down and coming to an end, they call it entropy. Everything wearing down. The suns, the stars of space will perish. They are perishing, but God remains unchanged. And I'm not an expert on this, but I did look some things up. And here's basic understanding of entropy. Motion produces friction. Friction produces wear. And wear produces disintegration. And as one author put it, the whole universe is like a vast clock slowly running down. I mean, our only, just take example of our sun, the energy that our sun loses every second. That our sun loses 4.2 million tons of heat every second. Every second, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Our bodies are wearing down. Can anybody agree with that? Our bodies are not what they used to be. I'm, I'm going around, I get to meet these babies. I did a baby dedication. They, they've got their whole, man, their bodies, oh, they're still going to grow into their bodies. Me? My body's wearing out, man. It hurts. It's sore. And as I've shared with you many times before, just a little, it makes noises I never knew it could make. And I know some of you are still so young and, oh, you know, my body's going to be fine. You just wait. You just wait. One day it's going to be, whoa, what happened there? Entropy. That's what happened. <laughs> Things are winding down. Things are not what they used to be. There, there is going to be a day when all of creation will be gone and a new heaven and a new earth will be given to us by God. It's all winding down. I mean, everything. A cars are, I mean, I was, Marie and I joke about this, but you know, we've been in the same house for a while, since so almost since we moved here, same house. But, but man, I'm tired, I, I mean, I can't say, I was about to say I'm tired of fixing things, but I don't really fix anything in the house. So 
I'm tired of things breaking down. Because every breaking down, and then I get, a, oh, hey, Ed, you won't believe this broke down. Oh, Ed, you need to fix this. And, all. and I'm like, every time I hear something breaking down, I'm like, it's time to move, man. I want to move to a place where I don't have to fix anything. And Marie will say, well, you are in a place where you don't, have to, you don't ever fix anything anyway. And I know, I know, I know. So go fix it. Take care of it. You're the one that knows how to do it. No. She loves me. Don't be mistaken. But I mean, even my own house is breaking down. Cracks in the concrete and... And every single year, my sprinklers freeze. I don't care what I do. I could go out there. I mean, and I take good care of my house. Don't miss it. I come home, oh, nice house, nice house. Protect you from the woodpeckers, and I'll protect, you know, nice. And it just still keeps breaking down. Why? Entropy, entropy. But, you know, all of the world is breaking down. Don't you see it? Do you see the world with spiritual eyes? Do you see the world of the the destruction of sin, how it's all winding down? how things aren't getting better and better. They're getting worse and worse. The depravity of man is becoming more depraved. And I mean, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a tough culture. And, and, and here he says, and compared to the creation that won't last, Jesus, he says in verse 12, your years will not fail. But this, I, this truth of like a cloak, it'll all be folded up. The, the heavens and the work of your hands, the foundation will all perish. It's referring to a point in time, something known as the day of the Lord. Would you turn over to 2 Peter chapter 3 with me, please? 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, teaches us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about this time known as the day of the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 3. Pick up with me in verse 8, would you? Chapter 3, verse 8. Peter's writing, he says, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. God lives in the eternal. You and I live in the constricted by time. That's what he, really what he's saying there. Verse 9, the Lord is not, this is such a beautiful verse, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that, what does your Bible say? Any, say it out loud, any should perish, but that, say the next word, all. Mark those words, any and all, because they apply to your moms and your dads. They apply to your kids, to your cousins, to your co-workers that are yet to be saved. It's not God's will that they perish, but they are ones that are any and all. Don't forget that, any and all. Don't be ripped off by some theology that says that Jesus Christ only died for a certain group and another group is just going to hell. Jesus died for anyone that would believe. He's not willing that anyone would perish. And you say, well, Ed, why are people perishing? Because they are rejecting God. It's not God's fault. Do you know the links at which God went to save your soul, to get your attention, to demonstrate his love? I mean, God came and put on a human body a broken body just like yours, a body that was subject to limitations. Here's God in all the, God the Son in all of his glory, he comes down and becomes one of us, fully God and fully man. And his reward? Well, his reward was to be falsely accused and lied about. His reward was to hire people to lie about him, convince the government to to beat him, and they viciously beat him over and over again. Right before the cross, they two Roman soldiers would beat him full force on his back. They would take this bloody, mangled body who's still alive. Jesus endured the whole beating and put it on a Roman cross where he would hang and die a slow death. 
and he died. They put a crown of thorns on his head and twisted it into his skull. They spit on him. They slapped him open-handed without him being able to see. That's how they treated love. They treated love with rebellion and with, with sickness and depravity. Why does someone go to hell? Because they choose to. They choose not to accept the love of God. God went to great lengths to tell you, to reveal to me that he loves us. That he didn't wait for us to clean things up. He didn't wait for us to stop partying or stop drinking or stop smoking pot or stop doing drugs, stop lying. He didn't, he didn't, stop, he didn't say, okay, when you guys, as soon as you stop all your bad behavior, then maybe, just maybe, I'll reveal myself to you. He did the exact opposite of what we would expect. In our worst condition, in our worst decisions, in the, the hardest time of our life was when his love exploded upon us. The Bible puts it this way. While we were still yet dead in our trespasses and sin, Christ died for who? the ungodly. That's you and me. He didn't wait for things to be cleaned up. He entered into our messed up life to rescue and redeem us. And so many of us have taken the free gift of salvation. It doesn't merit any work on your part. You don't earn what God has for you. You can't work for it. You can never be good enough. All you need to do is accept and receive. Admit your broken condition. Jesus is eternal. And he has gone to great lengths to reveal to you and to me how much he loves you. He's gone to great lengths so that you might know of his mercy and his grace and his goodness. He, he has, you could say, pulled out all the stops so you'd understand how patient he is. How much he loves your family. Why is he, you, you wonder, why hasn't he come back yet? Well, his delay is what we see as a delay. Understand that the, the coming of the Lord is a fixed time. But what we perceive as a delay is actually the patience of God because he loves your family and he loves your kids and he loves your grandkids and your mom and dad and he loves your boss and he loves you and he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance notice read on in second peter chapter three he says so so verse nine is like a beautiful verse and then verse 10 but the day of the lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. That's what's being described in Hebrews. The day of the Lord. It'll come surprisingly to people. They won't, they won't be ready for it. Notice verse 11. Therefore, because the day of the Lord's going to come, and it is and imminently, since all these things will be dissolved, what kind of people should you be? What kind of people should you be? And he gives you four things. These are the kind of people we should be. Number one, we should live in holy conduct. Number two, we should live in godliness, reflecting God in our lives. I mean, I'm telling you, the world and the church, and, and let's, not, let, let's not just broadcast it like broadly. I, I just don't understand why so many believers, they look like the world. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Perhaps that's even in your life right now. We wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. Believers are divorcing just like everyone else. Believers are going out partying. Believers are doing things that don't reflect anything of the godliness of God. They, they don't reflect, here you are, I follow God, but actually in your life you deny him. Why? Why is that your life? Why do you think that's God's will for you? Why do you think it's going to get you where you really want to go? I mean, the divorce rate among those that say they're Christians is skyrocketing. Oh, maybe it's not divorce for you. You fill in the blanks of just how 
much the church and the world look alike. And remember, church is not a building. We're the church. You're the church. So it's not reflected in worship style or song selection or color of paint. Or, that's not the church. The church is you and me. And the day of the Lord is coming. And the day of the Lord is not, is not a good time. It reflects the wrath and the judgment of God. That day is coming. Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And Ed, you just pointed out that the day of the Lord is coming. So as you compare what we're seeing in our world today to what Jesus said to be on the lookout for as signs of the end of the age, does it appear to you we're really close to this actually happening? Larry, I think in our studies, now that we're airing some very recent studies, the Daniel series we just finished, the With series we just finished, now jumping into Hebrews, uh, takes us into the last couple of years or so with things changing on the horizon. I think as you're listening to Abounding Grace here in the near future, you're going to hear a greater sense of urgency because they're more recent studies. And I mean, all that we're seeing right now is pointing to the soon return of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, which then will lead to the day of the Lord, the judgment that will come, a time of Jacob's trouble. And I think we need to really understand the days in which we live. Uh, we just did that series. I think you guys, if you if you didn't hear it and you're just joining, you know, Abounding Grace now, you need to go to our app. Just go to our church website, calvaryco.church. Get the app on your app store. If you just put Ed Taylor in the app store, it should pop up and listen to the series. And you can listen to the whole Daniel series, or you can listen to the section that we did, Understanding the Times, as we're looking at various passages, uh, looking to have insight on what it's like for the last days. And I think of Second Timothy chapter 3, where he says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemy, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And check this out in verse 5, he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. And this is talking about believers. Don't be careful, you know, those of you listening in, be careful not to limit the Bible just to a Western perspective, just to the United States of America. Because I know this broadcast goes out around the world, but you know, for those of you listening in the U.S., don't think of this just in context of the U.S. And don't think of it just in context of politics. That's not what Paul had in mind. That's not what the Holy Spirit. This is talking about dealing with the people of the world and the church, believers. And certainly we're seeing these things increase, and man, the coming of the Lord is upon us. And let's be ready, and uh, let's have our, our, our lamps filled with oil, filled with the Holy Spirit, have our, the wicks trimmed so that we're ready when the Master returns. So listen in. Uh, I think the series, I know the series, we titled it Understanding the Times, and we looked at it uh, through our study verse by verse in Daniel. So go to our website, go to your app store. Go to AboundingGraceRadio.com, however you connect with us, and listen in. Share it. I know the Lord's going to use it greatly, and it's a, it's a Bible study. It's verse by verse through the Bible. We're not hyping things up. We're not hyping 
it's not a big hype thing. It's just the word, the word, the word. That's what we need in these last days. Thanks again, Pastor Ed. And friend, if you'd like to hear the study again, drop by our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Here in the month of February, we've picked out an excellent book written by Roy Hessian called The Calvary Road. In it, he teaches that it's through brokenness, humility, and confession that we can prepare our hearts to receive the fullness that God wants for us. If you long for revival and power in your life, this is a must-read. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, the phone number is 877-30-GRACE. So don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.